Hello everybody and welcome to Fastget Rewatch. I'm Can't Wear Hats and joining me is Red Nightmare. Hello! And this is episode 14 and it's uh, the episode called Jeremiah Crichton. <laughs> that was I was trying to sound like some sort of hillbilly um, instrument. I think I feel... Thank you. That's way better than whatever that was. Whatever I produced. Uh, yeah, um... I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm gonna try not to worry about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is. Uh, like I said, this is episode 14. We've just come off the flax, and uh, we just had. If you remember the last episode, we were very excited about uh, Aaron and John getting mm -hmm. together, mm -hmm. and yeah, everything's looking great. Right? Yeah, not, um, nothing about that is in this episode. Yeah, oh. <laughs> very sorry to spoil that. Yeah, right out. Spoilers right up the right off the bat. I'm gonna be honest. I think we have some problems with this episode. Yeah, let's. We'll talk about let's it. Let's go. We'll t we'll we'll get unwrap into our feelings as we go. Uh, I think I, I like might, that. I like that. That's good. I think I might be a bit more positive than Hats, but not by a wide margin. All right. So let's kick it off because uh, we start out with Dargo and Crichton are in one of the internal compartments of Moya one. Like the systems, and they're basically trying to remove a blockage that's mm -hmm. been caused by uh, something. It's, something. It's uh, Dargo says it's because Moya's pregnant, and Crichton used his engine pods in the in the uh, in the docking bay, like burning chemical fuel because of his primitive spaceship, ah. and, and Moya had like a reaction to that because she's pregnant and was protecting the baby. Yes. Um, and so he's trying to remove it, and they're both kind of fed up. They're bickering with each other. Um, and so he like, gets part of it out, and then John's like, F this. <laughs> and goes, yeah, because John's kind of fed up with everything, and just being a, a dick. I'm sorry, he's just being a dick. I mean, the, so yeah, he, he, I, can, I can understand his frustrations, because he's, he's, he's having a hard... He does have a hard time... Like, still has a hard time fitting in with everyone because he goes out and he says to Zan, it's like, I'm fed up. And she's like, fed up? What is that? It's like, oh, right, another translation I have to explain. It's like, no, I haven't eaten too many food cubes. And <laughs> and it's like, on the one hand, it's like, you, you know these are all colloquialisms, John, and they don't all translate well. But also it's like, I now have to change how I talk because I <laughs> I am far too, you know, human about mm. speaking but he is being a dick about it yeah <laughs> i'm sorry <There's, laughs> he is being a dick about it <clears throat> he's being such an asshole uh he even takes it out on aaron a little bit who has literally done nothing wrong yeah that's what i that's what i found weird is that like there's no indication that they have feelings for each other at all in nope. this episode nope. and i'm just gonna check something here production order no, this was made after after the flax, so there's no oh, there's no okay. excuse no excuse for it. Huh. Hmm. But yeah, he's you know pissed off at uh, everybody basically because he's kind <laughs> of he's getting frustrated with not fit, still not properly fitting in, um, and so he's going to go for a drive to you know clear his head. He's going to take his module out and just just get away, you know. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, so he he does. He takes his module out. And oh, he also says that he's run out of his old chemical burning fuel. Yeah. Um, and now he's so, just using Moya's technology to fly. So mm -hmm. he takes the module out, and then um, yeah. 
And now, plot device! Crunch! Moya Moy basically starbursts from his perspective. Well, yeah, because um, the blockage that they were trying to remove didn't re it didn't come out properly, um, mm -hmm. and she's trying. Moya is trying to compensate for that. I think I think it's mostly that. Uh, what I expect is that she the blockage is somehow causing energy buildup, and the only way she can release it is by starbursting. Ah, okay, that that's, makes sense. That's, that was my theory on this one. Yeah, okay. No, I'll, I'll buy that. And so. Yeah, but John is outside of Moira at this point, and Moira just, boom, starbursts out of there. It's like, goodbye! <laughs> and John's like, I'm a dead man. Well, first of all, he's like, you're just ditching me? <laughs> like, I get grumpy once and you ditch me? Yeah. And then he's like, oh shit, I'm dead. <laughs> yeah, because for at least the shots we saw, there's... Apparently no planets there's, in the neighborhood. They're not around one, there's nothing nearby, yeah. Oh, they're not orbiting any. And so he's going to be stranded in space. Oh, how is he going to survive? We come back from the titles and he's on a planet, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a beard and it's clearly time has passed and he's on an idyllic it's, beach and everything. It's, it's also clearly a fake beard. <laughs> now that you mention it, actually, yes. <laughs> That's what was bugging me. <laughs> So yeah, he's I thought it was the hair, it's actually the beard. So yeah, he's actually fine, and is living a pretty idyllic life, so there goes that tension. Yeah. Like, how's he going to survive? He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually fishing a big crab-looking thing, and seems to be enjoying himself. And, yeah. And then a uh, woman appears, whose name is Lashala. A human woman. A human-looking human woman. Like, th there's no... Uh, all the... The aliens in this episode, all of them look identical to humans. There is no different yeah. characteristic at all. The only unique thing about them is they're sort of they're, they're sort of tribal dressed, and they've got purple and orange clothing, and yeah, but not much clothing. <laughs> they could, I mean, they could be any uh, group of humans dressed Maybe, like that. We'll say that they're an offshoot of Sebations. Why not? Sure. Sure, right. let's go with that. Sure. Makes uh, no sense later on, but sure, we'll, we'll go with that for now. I mean, what else are they? Like, random people who look exactly human? <laughs> uh, anyway. It's, it's happened before. That's true. <laughs> it's basically like, here's a tribal society of people, and, you know, mm -hmm. they're all warrior race guys, or, um, you know, like, it's that kind of native trope. It's really just... Yeah. Tired. I've seen this shit a million times. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Lashala is the woman's name, and she goes to speak with John. Says, "Do you want some food?" And offering food. <laughs> and he, yeah, he uh, he says, "Here, have some of this big crab thing that I just caught." Uh, and she's like, "Oh, but offering food is signals to a woman signals your affection." And I'm just like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this trope as well. Yes, lovely. Yes, we are. Great! Yes, I haven't are. heard that one before. <laughs> and then she's like, I've made you a map of the stars to get you home. There's, I, a, there's actually quite a nice bit where... Yeah, she, I like this. Yeah, because um, he's like, here's the map of the stars. Where is your home? He's just got like a rock trying to... And then just throws it in the, in the, in the lake. Yeah, it gives it an enormous chuck. Like, my home is right about... Turns around... Flings a thing into the air, chucks in the lake uh, a few hundred meters behind him. <laughs> about there. <laughs> yeah. No, that, 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 yeah, I did like that. Um, that was a nice scene. Mm. 
Uh, and then troping intensifies because a man called there's a, a man appears called Rokon, yeah, and uh, he's sort of he's dressed in the kind of stereotypical way. He's got no shirt and he's just got like uh, you know other stuff. He's in his, I think is he carrying a big pointy spear? Anyway, he's a warrior. Not of this scene, at least. He's a warrior, whatever. And he says, "Your father demands you return to the village," and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, so." Hmm, I think she's like the lead she's the leader's daughter. So, okay, John got involved with quote a princess. Right. Right. Yeah. God. Now that you're spelling it out to me, this gets worse and worse. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> no. Anyway, he says Again, minor as she leaves. Minor good scene here is that as she leaves, Rokan says to John, Oh, you you caught a baby. Like it's a huge ass crap, but apparently it's a baby. <laughs> yeah. Please don't catch them any smaller than that. Yeah, and I like this because that's conservationism. <laughs> I mean, basically making sure your food supply doesn't run out. Being like, okay, make sure you only catch the adult ones that have already had kids. Otherwise, you run out of your food at some point. Smart. Yeah. Love. Um, and Rokon also says to John, "You're probably go never going to leave this place, which is called Aquara." Mm -hmm. And Crichton says, "No, nah, I don't really want to. It's uh, you know, feels nice here. I like it." Of all the places I've been, it's probably the best. Um, I'm not quite sure I buy it, but anyway. Oh. <laughs> and here's the other thing: like, there's clearly been a time skip here because Crichton's got a beard and, mm -hmm. and all that. And we learn that Moya is actually still searching for Crichton, and it's been, I think they say, a quarter of an of a cycle. So three months. Yeah, three months. Um, and everyone's getting tired of looking. And I actually, I really like this, but this is, actually, I do like this, that Dargo is the one who insists they keep looking. Yeah, that came out of nowhere to me. Um, I do, I mean, it's in, yeah, it's potentially a bit out of character. I mean, Dargo says he feels guilty about them driving Crichton away, and Zan is actually prepared to just be like, you know what, he's gone, goodbye. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm done. Um... And he's like, you know, he it's his fault for getting mad at us. And then and uh, Dargo's like, we are kind of a pain to deal with. <laughs> That's some self-awareness from Dargo that we don't yeah. often see. <laughs> Which I find, I find it interesting that it's Dargo because a few episodes ago we, we've established that the relationship between John and Dargo is not a friendship. It's uh, one of respect. Yeah, but you don't leave your comrades behind, right? Fair enough. Yeah. That is... I mean, you chop off their arms, but you don't leave them behind. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and Aaron also agrees they, they should keep looking. Okay. They've been looking for three months. Yeah. Had you told me they've been looking for half an hour, I would believe you. That's the problem I have with there this episode, right? nothing. They, 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 I, I think they're even dressed the exact same yeah. as the last scene we saw them. It really just completely undercuts the fact that the the idea that there's been this big time skip because yeah. nothing appears to be any different apart from Crichton has a beard. I mean, like this this episode could have taken place in a much, much shorter time frame. Like it didn't need to be three months. It could have been like a week and I would have I mean, and nothing would have three weeks would have worked way better. Nothing would have changed. No, because he's still pissed off. I mean his beard would have grown Fine, he has a quick beard. Maybe, beard well, maybe you could just have some stubble or something. But uh, actually, it would have been easier just let Ben Brown. Wouldn't have looked as fucking beard. stupid as his fake beard did. And he would have still had the same experience and the same. I mean, his connection with people would be slightly less, but 
I mean, he's been li- he's been living away from them. Out, he he doesn't have much of a connection with them. He's been living in his module, like outside the village. But hats in three weeks, the princess couldn't have fallen for him. Actually, Actually she yes, she could yes, have. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's my point as well. Uh, basically, do- basically, this episode sets up a bunch of stuff that it doesn't deliver on. Yes, if you do a time skip. Actually, do a time skip for everybody, not just one half of your cast, which in this case is John. Everybody else just has no time skip. The other thing is that um, we don't really see him. We don't see him find this place and land and try and integrate himself, and then do a time skip, which I think might have been a little better to get an indication that he's, you know, time has passed. Time has passed. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just like boom, we come back and it's been three months later. So, yeah. and what? I do like that. Uh, as John apparently is also asked to go to the Elder, um, he's very culturally aware of uh, these people. He has learned how to, how they greet each other. Uh, he knows that as he comes into the hut, the um, uh, head of the tribe invites him to sit next to him. Yeah. As John says, like, I think that's a very big honor, and I don't want to dishonor your hunters by yeah, basically like, doing that. This is a bad idea. Actually, John seems like he's a little bit... Uh trope savvy here because he's like wait if i sit next to you i'm gonna piss off that uh warrior guy who also is interested in lashan like i don't want to fall into this this trope here but he does he does because yeah to be completely fair john has no interest in this princess no he really doesn't he's like i just want to live my life fish and fish some crabs and i'll that'll be fine and he's like, I know that I'm not of these people, and I just don't want to do this. He actually says he doesn't want to interfere in their ways. He's got some no. prime directive stuff going on here. But interestingly, in this culture, actually, it's the men, uh, the man who attracts the woman, and the woman that chooses the mate. Yeah, the which... mate for life, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I, I don't think I want to, you know... <laughs> I don't think I want to make a commitment that strong after three months. Yeah, and so of course Rokon sees them sitting next to the the uh, head of the tribe, which is called the Grandier. They have a whole bunch of extra terms for things, and it's eh. yeah, whatever. And but in, uh, that, in one ear, out the other with me, basically. And uh, but Rokon's mother, who's the high priest on, because priestess or priest wasn't good enough apparently. Wait. They call it Priestom? Yep, Priestom. I didn't even hear that. I just assumed they said Priestess. I, d- I noticed it a bit later on in the episode, but I'm just ch- I've been checking like the background of what of this episode and yeah, no, they're referred to as a Priestom. And uh and she's like <sighs> and she's saying you need to you need to marry uh Lashala so you can become Grandir and we can rule this place together. It's uh, it's the evil. It's the evil. Evil religious. Priest. Yeah. Yeah. Evil priest. We've I, apparently landed on uh, trope planet four. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what planet more clo- closer to the sun is where all the <laughs> all the superhero tropes live. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like. I expect this kind of shit from, like, old Star Trek, you know. Like, yeah. This is stuff we've seen done to death. I mean, to his credit, Rokan is, seems kind of an honest guy at this point. Yeah. Like, look, I, Mom, I'm not going to do that, you nuts. Yeah, it's your choice. Exactly. He's prepared to, yeah, uh, go with what Lashana wants. And then all of the tension of, are we going to find Crichton? Are we going to get him back? Is broken... 
because, as they find him because they're like oh oh shit there he is like they that's the problem I have with this episode they set up like Crichton's gone they have to get him back and that tension is all solved within the first 15 minutes because mm-hmm. they're like oh there's 10 this. minutes yeah 10 yeah even and not 15 th- trust me that wasn't 15 minutes <laughs> and yeah basically they Rigel uh, Doug and Zen Aaron they were like oh we've searched these plans oh there's this one Oh, I found a thing that's probably his... Oh, there, there he is. Let's go get him. It's like, okay, the, the tension over. Done. Bored now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, let's, uh, let's go get him and uh, get out of here. So, okay, well, I, I mean... I, that's a short episode, right? Yeah, I, sometimes you just... You don't have um, just, uh, as much time. And it's, it's better to do a short episode than stretch one out that's not very interesting. Well, <laughs> funny you should say that. Um, so yeah, Rigel and Dargo go down on the planet in the one of the transport pods, and they lose power on the way down. We don't see it; we just see them walking away from the pod um, once they've landed. But Rigel's complaining about the last bit of the journey, and Dargo says, "Well, we lost power. What do you want?" We <laughs> <laughs> just dropped out of the sky the last bit. Yeah, and they spotted Crichton's pod on their last pass. They're like, yeah, like, they know he's here. They're going to go get him. That's, like, that whole setup and that three-month time skip is done with and dealt immediately and is wasted. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, it's, it's a massive waste. It's just so John can have the excuse for that ridiculous beard. <laughs> Which just looks so dumb and very obviously a fake beard. Yes. Uh, yes. Anyway, as they're, as they're walking down the beach so that they've uh, come to... Uh, uh, Rigel's floating chair stops working. Yeah, and he just it just drops to the ground, and Rigel has to get out. <laughs> he has to get Not out for and... me. No, I command you to come back and carry me. <laughs> Rigel has to get out and walk like a peasant. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. <laughs> uh, Rigel. To be fair, Rigel is on point as a character in this episode. Yeah, Rigel is basically the the only saving thing about this episode. Yes, very much. Yeah. And so uh, we see that Crichton is on his way home from the village. He's uh, going back to his module, and he gets ambushed by Rokon and some warriors. Yeah. And uh, then Dargo appears and rescues him. Yeah, and like he cuts uh, Rokon across, the, across chest. the chest. They're all terrified of... Um, uh, Dargo as well, because he's like this weird-looking alien. Because like, here's the thing: is that it's awfully convenient because that they they are not spacefaring people; they're stuck on this planet. Um, they st- they seem to know a bit about space and that because they have like the star map and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think they say at one point their ancestors were spacefaring, but they're not. Yeah. So it's awfully convenient that John looks like them, otherwise he wouldn't have been um, so ingratiated into their culture. Yes. But, <laughs> but when they yes. see Dargo, they basically shit a brick. <laughs> because, oh my god, scary tall man with tentacles. Ah. <laughs> and so yeah, Dargo shows up, rescues Crichton, and again, like that whole uh, thing of... Basically, Crichton's... T- that They found him. They found, found yeah. him. After and- like... 20 minutes of show, or however long it's been. 15. 15. Again. Yeah. Subtract five minutes. I think, I, I think, think I'm, yeah. Enough time has passed, because <laughs> it hasn't. Mm. I mean, but I also, I mean, then John's like, okay, get lost. Yeah, this part, I, I, I mean, he's, he thinks that he was abandoned, basically. Yeah. He thinks that they actually just, because he threw a fit, they left. 
Yeah, which... I mean, the fact that they're here... It should tell you something, right? Yeah. Like, what do you think, what the, what do you think they're doing on this backwater planet? Saving your ass. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and... Mm, he wants Dargo to go away and leave him alone because he's found somewhere nice to be for once. And it's like, I don't really buy it. I, I, to be honest, I don't think John buys it either. He's... I think this is just him still... Uh, af even after three months, this would have made way more sense in three weeks. Yeah. After three months, still being like that, he's done with Moya. Still yeah. in that anger. Still basically in in that sort of tantrum phase. Yeah. Which. Yeah, with the three month time skip, you think he'd have got over. Three weeks, I could have. I could have. I mean, I can imagine him still being a bit pissed. Yeah. At that point. Yeah, they definitely had too big of a time skip. Also, um, on uh, Moya, while Rigel and Dargo have gone down, you've got Zan and Aaron. Uh having a chat to each other mm -hmm. and because they lost communication they were the pilot was trying to tell um uh dargo that uh, can't quite get through to you so turn on your bit and and so they know that they've lost contact and like well we should go uh zan wants either her or aaron to go down to the planet and get them and aaron's like no we need more need more data yeah, Aaron being scientific about this. <laughs> or she like says that. more data, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, data, data, potato, potato. And uh, basically, actually, Aaron's like, you know, Zan, you're a lot more agreeable when you're a priest. <laughs> and this is the only indication that uh, the writers of this episode actually saw previous episodes of Farscape. Because <laughs> 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 they're like, okay, Rhapsody in Blue, she decides not to go back to doing priestly things. Yeah, she, she gets rid of the ropes. Time. Yeah, and we know that there's a bit of more darkness to her. And uh, Zan is like, don't go there, you know, don't push that angle of, like, not being a priest anymore, because there are some lines we should never cross. And like, oh. I mean, I do appreciate that Zan's like, look, don't. Just, just don't, back don't. off. You don't want to have this fight with me right now. <laughs> and so back with uh, Crichton, Rigel, and Dargo... Basically, they're back at uh, Crichton's module, and Rigel is kind of... <laughs> Rigel is asleep in Crichton's tent. Of course he is. Snoring his head off, and um, and Crichton just throws uh, his jacket at him, and he's like, Ooh, Wake up! <laughs> I, I, I was sleeping marvelously. <laughs> and then um, Rigel is also just uh, dumbfounded by Crichton's reaction as, like, you you want to stay here, and he's like, "You're like, gone." Well, excuse me for wasting three months of my life here <laughs> to find you. And he's like, "You practically sabotaged Moya with your stupid chemical rocket thing." And says, "You abandoned me," and then now now we get the thing. Now we get that whole tension is solved because they just sit down and chat. And Doug is like, "No, what actually happened was that Moya starburst by herself." Because we didn't fix the blockage. Oh, blockage, because you, <laughs> you went out on a tantrum. Yeah. I like that Dargo also puts some of the blame back on Crichton. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you hadn't, if you had actually finished the job we were trying to do, none of this would have happened. But, yeah. <sighs> and, ah, and, then, and then Crichton's like, I'm surprised you actually searched for me. And it's like... And and Dargo's basically like, you really think we wouldn't come and look for you? And I'm like, yes, yes, that's absolutely right. Like, how does 
like John just immediately thinks that they've ditched him. Like after everything they've been through. Yeah, right. It's like you really think they're not going to come at least try and look for you. Mm -hmm. I, mm. Makes no sense. Yeah, it's kind of bullshit, really. And yeah. and it, basically, what it is is a way to it's a way to set up some tension between the John and the crew, which I, okay, that's interesting. Except for the fact that it gets solved almost immediately. From our point of view, it's like, mm -hmm. well, that was a waste again. Anyway, back on Moya. Uh, Pilot has produced a map of the uh, area, topographic mm -hmm. biomap, because they can't scan for power readings because there aren't any. Yeah, which is weird. All yeah. technologies, all electric technology just seems to stop Yeah, so working. there is something else going on here as well. I'm mm -hmm. like, thank fuck for that. <laughs> <laughs> something else to distract us from this boring let's episode. Let's hope it doesn't get resolved in five minutes. Um... So they're scanning for uh, life forms down on the planet, and they're trying to trying to do by doing that to figure out where Crichton, Dargo, and the others are. Which is not an exact science; it's not no. as precise as it could be. And I like that at some point, uh, their uh, um, pilot is like, "Okay, I've pinpointed um, three more advanced uh, life uh, life signs," and yeah. Aaron's like, "Well, we know for sure that's not them." <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I like that burn. <laughs> And also, Crichton is now telling Doug, you know, that they're, they're sitting down having a talk about why do you like this place so much? And he's like, this is the first place where he's found peace. I'm yes. Like, really? This The first place? I mean, you remember when you landed on that planet in episode two with yeah. the, like, the people from the, like, the 50s and there was that lady there who quite liked you and you said it reminded you of home? Like... This is this is the this is the first place that you found somewhere you could be. It's the second place, John. It's the second place, at least. Yeah, and I also like that he goes on a a rant about I've had aliens shoved in my in my stomach, up his, up his nose, up my nose, <laughs> down my pants, in my brain. I'm like, wait, what? Inside your brain? When did that happen? Translator microbes. Uh, fair. Yeah. That's probably in there. We didn't see the one with it, where it gets shoved down his pants, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of this is alluding to, you know, stuff that happened off-screen. <laughs> that something. is fair. Um, he's like, there's nothing, nothing bad is happening here. Every, I'm fine. It's peaceful. Nothing's happening. Um, he's like, uh, okay. And then, uh, of course, Lashala turns up and sees Dargo there talking to them. Yes, and actually at this point, Rokan has gone back to the village and talked about Dargo arriving and yeah. the whole discussion if Dargo and John are actually dangerous or not between the uh, priestess and the uh, head of the tribe. Yeah, and like I said, they're terrified of uh, Dargo because he's taller than all of them, basically. Yes, <laughs> And has is. weird tentacle, and he's just, ah, an alien. These people are just racist. I mean, they're I mean this guy, from their point of view, Dargo showed up and attacked them. Yeah, but, well, not after they were trying to kill John. That is also true, but That yeah. part, of <laughs> course, conveniently gets left out in the explanation. Rokan doesn't want to get into that. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to get into trouble. It's like, no. uh, uh, I was ambushed by this uh, alien who... Came out of nowhere, attacked uh, unprovoked. No reason at all for him to attack <laughs> us. Uh, and so, basically, basically, Lashalo is trying to convince John, like, okay, if you say that Dargo is not a threat... Take him to the village and explain what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's like, I see no way this can possibly go wrong. 
Uh, By the way, she also kisses him in this scene. And this is where actually my notes started with, damn it, Kirk. Yeah, this is basically his kind of Kirk moment. A little bit. <laughs> no, this yeah. is his third Kirk third moment. Third Kirk moment, yeah. He's... Like, we had, we had the second one in the Flax and the first one in PK Tech Girl. Yeah. But he's still, I mean, he said he doesn't want to get involved, but he can't really, like, he does say repeatedly, he, like, uh, he can't control, I mean, can't control what Lashala wants. Yeah, but he does continuously try to say to her, like, no, this, this is not is a... something we should do, and I actually want to do. Yeah, I just want to live by myself. I'm not interested, basically. Yeah. Um, and so they're on their way back to the uh, village. And guess what? They get ambushed again! Hey! <laughs> basically, they get, they get ambushed in the stupidest way possible. Like, they have really small nets thrown over their heads. And mm-hmm. apparently this completely incapacitates Dargo. <laughs> A Luxon warrior who just earlier beat up, like, five other... Uh, people <laughs> but they didn't but they didn't have a net nets back then uh, it's a net hat yes Look, right of, had, of course if, if they had a plasma rifle or a cannon or a tank he could have dealt with that but a net no, no. can't deal with that no nets oh my one weakness ah, ah, ah. <laughs> i was gonna say my one. <laughs> it's such a dumb th- anyway they cap they capture both of them or they capture all of them they capture uh lashana uh, lashala John and Dargo, and um, they go to get. They go to basically take all of um, his stuff. And Rigel hears them coming, so he just hides in a little bag. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh shit! <laughs> Pulls it over his head and just lies down. I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm not here. <laughs> so they pick, and of course they pick him up and take him back with them. Um, <laughs> and Crichton uh, and Dargo are, have been charged with assaulting the Grandier's personal guards. Yes, and for that they must be punished to death. They must be killed to death. <laughs> That's not what they actually say. That's just me interpreting that. <laughs> As they're talking about this, the head of the tribe is like, okay, you have to be punished to death, but because you're, um, you've been a good friend, I'll just push you to forced labor for the rest of your life, I think, or something. And <laughs> yeah, and I like that the priest is like, no, no, no. The laws are quite clear. This man creature is an abomination. <laughs> at this point, I like John and Darby just looking at each other. I've like, got. Oh God! Ray. I've got that in my notes. I was going to bring that up as well. Like the little look they share between each other yeah. when when they says this man creature, they're like, the fuck. <laughs> Which is funny because that's about the response John had in the first episode to Dargo. Yeah. <laughs> like no, the law and yeah, the priestess woman uh, Nero who is. Rokon's mom is like, yeah, you have to kill them, and the law is explicit, and the Grandier... He's like, the law is my domain, and my choosing to apply. And then Rigel falls out of the bag. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically he makes a noise, they start, they open the bag. And they're like, what's in there? And Rigel comes out of the bag, and um, everyone starts worshipping him. Yes. (laughs) And first of all, I'm like, oh god damn it, this trope again. (laughs) <laughs> then there's a reveal where there are like some rock statues like three of them <laughs> lined up on the beach and like John is looking at them like wait a minute and you see that when they all line up they form the outline of a Hynerian's head yeah <laughs> it's like oh I see what's going on here <laughs> oh it's like damn it and I do like <laughs> the priestess's face on this she, as everybody's praying she looks around and it's like 
Oh shit. Oh, the jig's up, boys! <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact look she has, like, well, there goes my retirement fund. I think uh, the last thing a lot of... Certainly in fiction, like, there's that, the last thing priests want is for their god to actually show up. <laughs> I think a lot of the... Uh, the last thing they want is their gods to actually exist. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. It was way easier when you weren't a real thing. Yeah, it's much easier when you weren't here. That's a nice sentence. I should remember that one. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're worshipping him, and Rydal's like, ah, oh, pardon Dargo and Crichton. And so they're basically, uh, they're in, like, the in a hut, and Rydal's got, like, his, got, like, a little thing around his neck and a crown. And, and he's looking smug as ever, especially at that shot. As they're all praying, the camera then oh, yeah, yeah. looks at him from below, and he's like with the sun in the back, and he's like, ah, yes, finally the recognition I deserve. <laughs> yeah. And um, so Dargo's telling Rizal there's going to be a celebration, you'll fulfill your part in the prophecy, because of course there's a prophecy. Ooh, 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 ooh. They're going to burn him, aren't they? Yeah, I, I saw this one coming a mile away. <laughs> that so was I... my first response when I saw this, like... That's just, they're gonna, uh, I note it down just to be sure, so like, they're gonna burn him, I bet. Like, I didn't know if they were gonna, but at that point I was like, that's exactly what they're gonna do, isn't it? Yeah. Uh. And so, well, they don't know what the prophecy is, and Rigel uh, says to uh, Nira, the priestess, is like, oh yes, uh, the, yes, of course, the prophecy. Um, I will need the sacred text for the prof to properly fulfill it. And she's like, "Oh yeah, sure. Uh, here you go. Only the only the priestons can read it." And um, and and I like Dargo's like, "How did you know there's a there is a sacred text?" And Rachel's <laughs> like, Rachel's like, "All these religions have a sacred text. Try to keep up." Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Dargo says, "Well, well, can you read it?" And Rachel says, "Yeah, it's written in ancient Hynerian." Funnily enough. Yeah, um, well, at this point, that makes sense, because yeah. the, the Hynerians were involved with these people. The other part is, like, so the translator microbes don't do languages. Oh, I uh, mean, written languages. Written languages, no. Um, Interesting. So, does that mean John can't read anything? I'm, maybe he's been learning, but probably not, no. Huh. I mean, it just dawned on me at, at this scene. I'm like, wait, they don't do l written language? Huh, mm. Interesting. Like translator microbes are never really explained beyond that's what allows everyone to understand each other. Yeah. Okay. Fair. And so yeah, he's gonna we're gonna find out what the Hynerians are up to. And I've you know even watching this the first time around, I was like, I get the feeling that they're gonna have. It, it's not. Listen, you don't make people think that you're their god for a good reason. Well, on the other hand, as they say in Ghostbusters, if somebody asks asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, I mean, the situations are slightly different, but... To be fair, actually, as this episode goes on, and I think it's already at this point in the episode also, uh, Rigel's actually doesn't want to consider himself a god. He wants to be upfront about this. Yeah, he, he's perfectly okay with being a dominar and being, yeah. like, a mortal king, effectively, but he doesn't want to be some messiah or religious figure. No, which I find... I'm impressed that Rigel has that restraint, being like, okay, no, yes, you, you are still supposed to um, worship me, but in a different, actually, maybe just uh, be my subject, but in a different capacity. 
Yeah, and I, I, I can kind of see why, because judging certainly by this episode, you get into a lot more... There's a lot more that can go wrong when people think you're a god. They expect a lot more from Yes, you. absolutely. And they definitely expect a lot from Rigel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Crichton has found... Meanwhile, Crichton has found Lashala, and she's upset because it's like, you didn't tell me about Rigel being... The, their name for uh, his place in their religion is the Masata. Yeah, like, Messiah. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yes, yes, Rigel is the chicken tikka masala. Um, <laughs> With extra curry? <laughs> um, and basically the reason she's upset is that in their in their religion, the tikka masala <laughs> was protecting them through the uh, croutons, sorry, the priestons, and will take them off the planet when he turns up, whether they want to go or not. Yeah. For a cheeky no those. Um <laughs> <laughs> yes, pretty much that. Yeah, it, that's uh, exactly I like, that. I, I do like that. The she also asks him, like, "Are you also immortal? Why were you going to tell me that?" I'm like, "God damn it!" First of all, he didn't want to get involved at all. He's been mentioning that repeatedly. Yeah. And now, and, but... dude, what do you expect from him? Really? <laughs> like, mm. yeah. But basically, Crichton's like, okay. Listen, I'm not a spiritual being, neither is Rigel. Your uh, Timbala, which is a sacred text thing, is wrong. Everything, basically he said everything you believe is wrong, which <laughs> is kind of a hard sell. You know. It goes over as well as you would expect. Yeah. He's like, no, if he's the true Masata, he'll rise up and lead him to the light. I was like, okay. If not, he will be tortured to death. Oh, okay. That. Mm. Yep, yep, there's the gloss. Yeah. <laughs> Being a god imposter never turns out well. Yeah. And so the Aquarians have started up the celebration and uh, Rigel has uh, figured out what actually the text has been saying and the what actually has been happening here that the ancestors of the Aquarians were colonists mm -hmm. and because they say actually they're really far away from Hyneria. They're incredibly they're out in the middle of nowhere in the uncharted yeah. territory so how come these people are revering uh you it's like well uh they were colonists sent out during the reign of rigel the 10th to expand the influence of uh the monarchy shit on while ago yeah a long time ago because if you remember rigel is the 16th and as far as and as best we can tell, Hynerians certainly lived for multiple hundreds of years. Yeah, because I think he was disposed like a hundred or three hundred cycles ago? Yeah, something like that. And um, Deposed, sorry. <clears throat> and they were... But they were abandoned uh, by, uh, by the Hynerians. And also, the power drain that has been happening uh, to this village this whole time and why nothing works is deliberate. Yeah, it's it, a device the Hynerians apparently dropped here to keep them from expand, basically technologically advancing further than this. Yeah, and they're, yeah, they're forced to live on that planet, unable to go anywhere, and it's useless control and devote and to devoutly worship the family of Rigel. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're keeping them, I guess, quote primitive is their idea and. You know, like, worshipping the Hynerians so that Hynerians can turn up again and take them back when they want to and exert control over them. And it's kind of a bit sinister, really. I mean, and the, 
Yeah, uh, first of all, the Hynerians are being a bunch of assholes in this one. Mm. Like, holy crap, that is... At least peacekeepers just kill you. Yeah, and to his credit, Rigel also seems kind of distressed by this idea. Mm-hmm. He's not He's not okay with it either. No, he wants... He's like, no, I would like these people to just at least be free or go back to Hyneria. Yeah, and like you said, like he doesn't want... Like, putting themselves up as gods is kind of unseemly and a bit... And is not okay. Yeah. Just, you know, rule them with an iron fist, but, you know, don't be a god. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we don't even know how Rigel rules. He might have been actually a very benevolent ruler. Really? <laughs> really? Now that I say this out loud, you make a very good point. Damn it. No. I don't think he no, would have right. been... I don't think Rigel would be a particularly cruel ruler, no. but he would certainly be a very needy one. I mean, sure, he, he can be needy, but it's like, okay, <laughs> you accommodate me in my needs, therefore I pay you back. I mean, I, I could see him being that kind of ruler. Being like, he has high standards what he expects from them, but he also has high standards what, what he expects himself to do for them. Mm. I could... I could you're probably right that that's not the case. <laughs> we don't know. Like, but he, like we said, he doesn't want to be revered as a god. He's like, right, here's how we're going to sort this out. We're going to, you know, well, well, I'll just, I'll explain it to them and it will be fine. Douglas, like, that, that's not going to work. And <laughs> People revere you as a god. It's like, it's like, well, I'm not a god. Basically, At that point, of course, the priestess was listening in. <laughs> yeah, I like that because the the huts that they have have basically like a um, bead door. It's mm-hmm. not really a door. It's like beads hanging down in front of the yeah, doorway. Yeah, bead curtain. And um, people have been coming in and out. At one point, Rachel says, doesn't anybody knock? <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> but then she's just like l- listening in when he says, I'm not a god. And she's like, oh, and sort of backs out. <laughs> <Yes. so. laughs> she has that face like... That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh. And so, yeah, Rigel basically saying, that whole lead them to the light thing, it's a metaphor. I am not a god. I am mortal. I can't lead you to the light. And he's like, and, well, yes, yeah, so, and that's what Nero, I can't lead them to the light, and Nero overhears, and, oh, shit. Back on the uh, other part of this plot, which is... Whatever. Basically, this whole time, while this has been going on, Zan and Aaron uh, have been trying to figure out how to get in touch with with um, Dargo and John and Rigel. Yes. And because they can't send anything down with power because it won't work. Um, so what they have to do is make a shielded thing, a shielded projectile to send down a map inside of it. And they need it to be shielded so that they can tell it where to go properly and like shoot it down there mm-hmm. and... Uh, I do like at one point when they're trying to do this, uh, uh, Aaron says, like, I actually don't know enough of the science. I actually need Crichton yeah. for some of this. And it's like, yeah, see, he's not entirely useless. No, he's pretty good at tinkering with stuff. Mm. But they've, uh, what they've done, yeah, but they've made the projectile, so they shoot it down there. And because th- they found where the location of the power drain is. Mm-hmm. And also where John... Um... Dargo and Rigel are. Yeah, so they're like, right, we've got all the information, let's shoot it down there, let's get them back, let's see what we can do. I mean, they, they realize that we can't communicate with them directly and we can't bring them back, but we might be able to point them in the right direction for that power drain. Yeah, so they can turn it off and then get out by their own power. Yes. Um, and, and so they fire it down there, 
and so they get ready to fire it down. And meanwhile, Rigel is uh, doing his spiel. He's he's gone gone out to say to try and basically put things on hold for a bit. Yeah, like I am. Um... I know that this ritual is very important, and uh, as it, it says, I, we need to take... Uh, all, but I would like to take all my time and get to know you better before I look we, forward uh, to working with you all in the future. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he says that literally. Like, But I like... It's interesting because he's stammering half the time. I'm like, isn't Rigel supposed to be a way better bluffer than this? Mm, yeah. Because we've seen him do that in the Flax. Yeah, he, he's supposed... Well, high off his kite. <laughs> I as a kite. Sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know. I d it it must be a little bit different when you've got an entire tribe of people looking at you, being like, "You're I mean, our god. You're our god." To be completely fair, I think having a group of people saying I'm their god would be less stressful than a gun pointed at my head. True. He didn't have a gun at his head last episode, though. Oh yes, he did. Did he? During oh. uh, during the end of the end of oh, the yeah, no, game, yeah, no, you're at right. some point, this the yeah, okay. uh, the the bad guy's henchman just pulls out a gun. Yeah, it's like right, make right. the deal. You're right, you're right. Tell us where he is. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe he flubbed his rolls. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, the dice were cold that night. <laughs> but basically, yeah, it doesn't work. And near it, well, actually, hang on a minute. It works, but um, it works a little too well because he says, "I can't lead you to the light." Um, and so Nero's like, false god, false god, false, false god. god. Everybody starts chanting, false god, false god. These people like, don't take a lot of convincing. No. <laughs> Seize him. And uh, Doug and Crane actually managed to escape somehow. Yeah. Just I, like, like that John's first, I, I like that John's first response is to protect um, Rigel, but Dargo actually pulls him away. Yeah, because like, if we stay here, we're going to get captured and probably killed. So yeah. let's run away, and so yeah, they they've they've made their escape, and um, quite conveniently, uh, once they've made their escape, the projectile launched by Zan and Aaron lands right next to them in in the lake. <laughs> Good shot. Yeah, nicely done. And Crichton gets it and gets the map inside. It's like, aha, this is where manages to figure out that's where the power drain is, and so yeah, they've got they've got a way out from the sounds of things. They've got mm -hmm. they've got some more information. And back with the Aquarians, they're planning Rigel's death. <laughs> they're planning to kill him. <laughs> like, and Rigel's like, oh, no, I understand. Again, Rigel being like, I understand that the things that my people have done are very wrong, and I agree with you on that, but I am not your god, and I am still your sovereign. I mean, he's basically apologizing for the yeah. Hymerians. yeah. I mean, not just not so much saying that, like, please don't kill me. I'm not a, uh, because I'm not your god, but he is like, look, I'm I'm sorry about this. This should not have. This is not how you should have been treated. Yeah, this is not what. This is not how I would have done this. No. Um. And then, <laughs> also like Crichton, but then Crichton interrupts them, which I also I don't really buy because Crichton just walks up and says. Stop! And they and do. Everybody stops. And they do. And they're like, "Look, we've established that these people are very easy to convince, right?" Just a few yeah, okay. minutes ago. But it's just like, "Stop!" And they do. And it's like, "Listen to me!" And they do. <laughs> it's like this—you were gonna kill him like a minute or two ago. Have, have you ever? Uh, uh, I mean, oh, I'm asking. Of course, you've ha you've read the Terry Pratchett books. Yes. This reminds me of uh, something uh, Sam Vimes does at some point, where that if you talk fast enough and if you 
talk convincing enough, there's a few minutes where there's basically a spell where nobody will question you. I think he's, <laughs> us he's using that. Yeah. Despite that technically only works if people see you for the first time. But the eh. Theory of narrative causality at work here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and basically he says, you've been betrayed, there's a power draining device, that's why your machines don't work, and and Rokon then attacks Crichton. Yeah, being, to be honest, actually quite sensible about that. Yeah, he's like, why are you all listening to... Get him! <laughs> <laughs> and Dargo stops him and fights him and says, listen, you said your ancestors were spacefaring, their machines worked when they landed here, but you've been lied to, first by those who left them here, the Hynarians, and then by the Priestons, who have been manipulating you because only they can read the sacred text and it's like yeah I've seen this a million times <clears throat> mm. yep and <laughs> and so they uh, attack it's like attacking like no do not attack the don't attack us the, attacking the priestons is the highest sacrilege it's like <laughs> you don't say <laughs> why would that be and I like that Rigel's like no 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 that's not the highest sacrilege. And there's a lot of things you're not telling that are in those scriptures because I can actually read them as well. Yeah, I like that. He actually says, like, the highest sacrilege is purposely keeping your own people ignorant and subjugated for your own glorification. Yeah. Which is what exactly what the Hynerians did, and that's why he's so, uh, you know, so bothered by it. Yeah, and I'm not entirely sure if that is the highest sacrilege or that he's just making that up because that's the exact thing the priestess did. I mean, but, I think it's pretty bad, like, definitely, yes. like, subjugating people, keeping them ignorant just to elevate yourself is a horrible thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's like, it's in the Timbala, and own, but it's convenient that only the priestons can read that, isn't it? Ah, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Nero's like, but then Nero says to Rokon, kill Crichton, you must kill him! Um... And, and to Rokon's credit, he doesn't. He takes, you know, takes a second. It's like, if what you're saying is true, it's like, mm, it feels like something's up here. But it does get attacked, and it does kind of go south a little bit. And Kren is trying to figure out a way out of this, and he realizes that the metaphor that, that, that they've been repeating, like that the Masala will lead them into the light, is like, uh, hmm. I like that he looks around, and he's, he's also already been talking to them about, look, there's a device here. It's somewhere near. And Rokar's like, okay, where is it? Like, I, I need some time to find it. I don't have the exact location, but it's somewhere around here. And, of course, the priest is like, no, not good enough. We're attacking. And then he looks around in the commotion, and he sees the stat there's three stones that we've seen before that, when you line them up, are basically a Hynerian. Mm -hmm. And he sees two very tiny hand prints at the bottom of the rock. And he's like, gotcha. And he's like, aha! He just, he just, I, I, I think I have in my notes. It's like, and Crichton grabs the ball. He grabs <laughs> Rigel and runs with him like he's a, like he's a football, like an and American like, football. He picks him up. Okay, Sparky, you're, you're, you're up. <laughs> it's like, and Crichton has the ball, runs down, and touchdown. <laughs> yeah, because he grabs Rigel. He puts him down. It's like, okay, put your hands here. And he puts his hands there. And of course, the stone cracks open. A light goes into the sky. And the uh, power drain gets lifted, and of course the prophecy is correct. Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, here's the thing about the prophecy being correct. The Hynerians wrote the prophecy. Fair like, enough. What this is, I'm, 
It's still, it's still structurally as a story, it's stupid. Do you know what this reminds me of? A like the idea is that at some point the Hynerian can come back, release them from that, and be their savior, and then absorb them back into the Hynerian uh, Empire or whatever. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a little bit of uh, stuff. The this is maybe a deep cut, but this is um, from if anyone if you've read Dune. Nope. I okay. Not. Well, uh, people uh, listeners may get this, but there's the a group of people in it called the Bene Gesserit, and basically that's exactly what they do, is they deliberately uh, create uh, prophecies and religions based around them so that they can then take control, and they create a prophecy which they can deliberately fulfill later. Ah, Which is clever. kind of the same thing that the Hynerians are doing here. It's also not, it's also a terrible, it's also a really horrible thing to do in those books as well. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, and so the power is back on, basically, and uh, Rigel's sled starts working again, and he gets in it, and then just rises up above everybody. Yeah, <laughs> and again we see the statue, and we again see Rigel being lighted beautifully, camera from below, and it's like, oh, nice shot of Rigel just being there. And he's sort of <laughs> waving, like, ah, yes. I, and he's like, no, I'm not your, I'm your sovereign, but I'm not your god. No. And um, I'm only... I actually quite like this. It's like, I'm only your sovereign, a worthy being like you. Yeah. That's nice. He's... I mean, he's very much being like, yes, I am your ruler, but that doesn't mean you are that far below We me. are all in this together. <laughs> Some of us are more in this together than others. <laughs> I can't imagine worse rulers, let's be honest. Yeah, he's at least trying to say that they are... They do actually have some things in common. They are they are all mortal, basically. Yes. Don't put me on any higher pedestal than that. And so yeah, everything's fine. And um, yeah, basically, and uh, they're going back around the village. And uh, Rigel is saying, "Oh, I wish I could. I you know can't stay." And Kato Ray, who's the leader, uh, the leader is saying, "You know, I wish you would, um, but no, I have to go." And <laughs> I like this. He says. If those peacekeepers come that you told me about, it's like, yes, you never saw me. I was never here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I also, I like this, uh, this scene, actually, between Rigel and the head of the tribe, because it's a very, at this point, they're very friendly to each other. They're very friendly, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not, he doesn't come off as very high above uh, the tribesmen. They're almost at equal level just talking to each other as friends. Yeah, they're just having a laugh. And he's like, I've prepared a gift. It's like some supplies for your uh, journey back. And there's a whole big bundle of fruits and uh, meats. And he says, we've also prepared this. Because earlier on, uh, Rigel was being like fed you know, food by people worshipping him. And he was quite mm -hmm. enjoying it. There was like, And he gives him basically some of his favourite uh, jerky. Yeah, and, and he's he actually, very happy about that. It's actually quite cute because he like get the tribe leader takes a piece of it and it's like, ah, would you like to try something? It's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I like that also as Rigel sees that entire stack of food, it's like, oh, you're too generous. And he he see, he means that I think. Yeah, and um, he says, well, no, you've given up the choir and the tribe leader says, no, you've given us the greatest gift of all. You've given us our freedom. Because yeah. in the opening of this scene, we saw that they were using like a water pump and some other machinery that had that they'd had lying around that must have been left by the uh, colonists, but which obviously never worked until now. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, Rigel says, "I will not forget you." And yes, we've been freed. And right, we're off. <laughs> yeah. And Crichton then thanks Rokon and Lashala, and it's like, 
I'll miss you because I've actually changed my mind and I'm going back now. Yeah, because I really need to go to my own people. I also like this that Crichton's like, I really have to apologize to everyone, don't I? And I was like, no, forget it. It's fine. Let's just go home. Yeah. And that's and that's the end of the episode. So there we go. That was Jeremiah Crichton. Uh, it was... Mm... One, one minor snag before we get into the discussion on what we thought about this episode. Yeah. So there's a power drain on this planet, which yeah. means that they are they can't basically do any electric stuff. Uh, stuff. But they seem to be stuck in basic tribalism for like several thousands of years or hundreds of years. However, you would have expected them to go a bit further. Like Victorian England didn't have electricity either. I mean, well, maybe the beginnings of light it, bulbs and stuff like and telegrams, but cut, cut those yeah. things out. You could have had a perfectly functioning, more advanced society you than just had, this I don't know, it's steam engine or something. Tents. Yeah, I think the idea presented in the episode, which we may or may not agree with, or I mean, the idea presented in the episode is not only did they do the power drain, they created a religion based around Hynerians that also kept them subjugated okay, yeah. and more primitive. I could see that. You're right. Um, that's the idea that I think is presented in the episode. Whether or not that is, you know... It's tricky to keep up for so long. I, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Also because this is only a very small tribe. I'm assuming there's a lot bigger society around this planet. Maybe. There might just, because... be, might just be nothing. Well, they were colonists, though, remember? Yeah, but, so, but they should have probably been breeding a far bigger civilization than this. This is, what, 200 people, max? Yeah. Like, after a few yeah. thousand years... Usually, you have a lot of people have more than two kids, so at some point, yeah. Listen, this is the this is the I guess this is something I would probably call the Stargate effect. Like if you've seen Stargate SG One or any of the Stargate stuff, you'll know they go to planets all the time that supposedly have a huge population of people, of which we only see about a hundred. Yeah, okay, that that's fair. But this <laughs> no, mean, no. That, what, it, what I mean is it, like it, it really they they very frequently manage to um, not unconvincingly say that there's a huge number of people there. And so that's kind of... If there is that larger group of people, that's what that feels like. It's like okay, yeah, I could see that. We've been here for... Th oh, no, it's more like we've been here for thousands of years and there's like 50 of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Uh, how's that working out for you? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot... There are a lot of problems with this episode, let's be yes. perfectly honest. Nothing that really makes... It's not like... I mean, There's we, nothing major that completely breaks the episode, aside from the fact that the plot starts about halfway into the episode, when the, once Rigel gets revealed. The biggest problem I have with the biggest problem with this episode really is this, it's just boring for the most part. Um, it's not like there aren't. There's not a whole lot of out of character stuff. It's not like remember when we got quite upset about uh, DNA Mad Scientist, where mm -hmm. they chopped off Pilot's arm, and like that's like angry at the characters for doing something so. Yes, uh, that will had nothing to do with the people who made it. It's just a yeah. slightly disagree on the writing there, but yeah. um, that's about as far as it went. But this episode was just like it. It set. It didn't deliver on its setup of like no. the the whole tension of finding Crichton and getting Crichton back is basically solved within the first ten minutes. Mm -hmm. so like, and then oh, we solve some other problems in the next five twenty minutes. It's. Yeah. Five, ten minutes, sorry. 
And oh. then Rigel shows up, and that's at the point where the plot actually begins. Yeah, when Rigel starts doing his thing, it re- it, it gets a lot better, but it, it can't really make up for everything else. Like, well, Rigel is the standout part of this episode, but... But they should have... Okay, let's get let's do something interesting, because I think we have the time for this. Uh, yeah, no, this we week. definitely do. How would we rewrite this episode? Hmm, thinking about this. Um, it could... I think what would be better is if uh, you you just take out the whole subplot about or the plot about John being stranded and fed up, and just have them visit this planet for a particular reason, or they crash on it because they lose power, mm-hmm. and then we find out that Rigel is revered as a god, and that's the rest of the episode. That's the whole episode. That makes that. Uh, I think that would work way better. Yeah, because um, you don't re- like you said. As you point out, you don't really need the whole Crichton plot. It doesn't do anything. No, and it's it, it's almost entirely like looking for him and trying to find Crichton is solved within the first ten minutes. Yeah, and, and the, the fact that he has some connection to these people culturally also doesn't really I don't apply really buy it. very much. Yeah, and you could have um, you could have just built that into another epi- into the rest of the episode where they start revering everyone else. Like, the whole love subplot between him and uh, Lashala could have just been, like, they turn up and then she starts, you know, she starts... Uh, uh, Revering? She, she, well, she she becomes interested in him and, uh, you know, they get... Because they're part of Rigel's retinue, they get elevated to a high position and uh, the warrior and Rokon gets angry at them for that and mm-hmm. she falls in love with John. It's like, you don't need John being stranded there. It actually does nothing and is a waste of a perfectly good plot. I mean, I'm thinking about going the other way with this one yeah, that's... and putting the focus on it, like, keep, maybe keeping Rigel in but limiting it to it the, ver- the last bit of it or um... basically figuring out that Rigel is the way to solve it, being like the reveal of it's Dianeris that put them there, and we need Rigel to uh, clear this in the last five or ten minutes. And the rest mm. just being John dealing with the fact that he thinks they abandoned him, and them looking for them, and actually changing things to the characters I've, in those three months. I think I, li- I like the idea of focusing more on John's sense of betrayal, but if you had that, and Rig- basically it would be Deus Ex Rigel. Rigel. <laughs> yeah, okay. It would be Deus Ex Machina, it just Rigel turns up and everything's fine. Like, that is not what I would no, want to see. No, pr- you probably want to cut the Rigel part out completely. I think what I would... If we were going to focus on John being stranded, just do away with the entire tribal aspect of that. A whole bunch of people, the Aquarians, just get rid of them and make an episode just that is... Crichton trying to survive by himself and dealing with the fact that he feels abandoned. And the fact that he'll never get home. That would require some flashbacks. I think those would work because you want some flashbacks to Earth in such an episode. Yeah. Because he'd learn something about himself. Because you want character development in an episode like that. Problem is, was Ben Browder a good enough actor at this point to carry an, an entire I, episode himself? I, I don't know. I think he probably would have been. I think he At that point. Pretty- like, he could do it now. I don't doubt about that. But could he have done it at that point in his career? I think so. I, I think he could. I've seen enough uh, good acting from him so far that I believe that he could. Okay. Because I could see that also being a thing. Yeah, That like, would also be a nice episode. That's the problem with this episode, is that it is two stories trying to work... Uh, two, two stories at once. 
yeah. which don't work together and would have been better if you had focused on one or the other mm-hmm. and not tried to mesh them to mesh them together. I mean, also the whole stuff with the Aquarians and their and their tribe is incredibly trope heavy, and it's just like yes. I've seen this a million times, and I'm yes. bored of it. I um, mean, a trope episode done well, I can accept, but yeah, a trope but episode it, done poorly, ugh. they don't really do anything. That's the thing; it's like tropes are not bad, but no. you need to use them well or do something interesting with them, which like, this episode just does not do. Like, look at the um, back and back and back to the future. That is a very trope-heavy episode. The yeah, time loop time episode loops, yeah. is very tropey, but they do some really interesting things with it. Yeah, definitely. Like John's entire fact that he's dying several times and what that does to him emotionally um, that's mostly the biggest part actually of that episode that yeah. sets it apart from, it, that, that's a big thing that sets it apart from all other time loop episodes yeah definitely and also there's I don't there's a lot of the interactions the fact that he thinks that they would just abandon him and that in the first place and that how fed up he is I also kind of don't buy it no especially when he says at the beginning when he's leaving it's actually quite a, there's a line where he says i'm sick of it he's talking to aaron so i'm sick of napoleon the 14th right i'm sick of blue Zen. i'm sick of tentacle man Dargo. and guess what i'm sick of you so coming straight after the after um the flax where they got together and almost boned in in the cockpit of the um transport pod like really you were just starting to have a relationship, and you're like you're sick of everyone, including Aaron. I was gonna say, relieve some stress in another way. Yeah, I was like, I don't really buy that. There's there's not a whole lot of, basically it it does a lot of uh, setup, or it just it. I don't know. It just it, doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It falls that's, apart that's quite where, easily. That's let's just be honest. It just doesn't work. There's too many moving pieces. Too many times the tension gets relieved in five minutes, and just it's trope heavy as shit. Yeah, it's it's dull. It's kind of uninteresting. The best bits are when Rigel is trying to, uh, you know, do his thing. Rigel's you know, Rigel's part of the story is the best part of it, and yes, that comes about halfway through, and yeah, everything else is just boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, I <clears throat> this is this is the. I think the first episode that we've come across that I really, really haven't liked that much. I was kind of neutral on it until this discussion because looking back at it, on it, I agree this episode yeah. is not good. No, I mean we've we've disliked parts of previous episodes. We've been upset mm-hmm. with things like that happened, like in DNA Mad Scientist. But on the whole, everything up to now has been actually enjoyable and really good. Yes, this is just. I think lazy is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, this I think that's that's uh, that is very much the vibe I'm getting off this. So yeah, um, this was not great, and nope. we've had our first uh, first dud basically. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a two out of five. It's not as horrible that I'm going to give it a one out of five because yeah, two out of five. It's still a, for- a story with a beginning, middle, end, and there's some in- there's some good scenes in there, and as you said, Rigel's part yeah. recovers a lot. But two out of five. I'm sorry. Yep, and I would agree with that. And I have bad news. You also, um, you still agree with us, Kate Walsh. Yeah, I figure, I figure going to a two would do that, but it's just fair. Yeah, like, like I said, there's nothing. If there, there are some redeeming features of this episode. Uh, yes. So yeah, but two out of five. It's not enough. 
So yeah, uh, that was a yeah, that wasn't great. Nope. Got to admit. Uh, we can only hope that uh, next week's episode is better and we have a return to form because yeah, yeah. I hope, hopefully this one is just like an outlier and you know whatever. I actually before we leave, I want to check something. Mm-hmm. So okay, I checked. Uh, this episode has been was written by Douglas Hayes Jr. Mm-hmm. and apparently he also wrote Till the Blood Runs Clear. Yeah, which was a pretty good episode. Um, yeah. wasn't amazing like certain other like. You know, wasn't certainly wasn't my favorite episode so far, but it was it was okay. This must just have been like an off day for him, because uh, sure. I mean, yeah, and I think he only wrote those two episodes in this season. So, <laughs> well, let's let's hope it's not. Uh, he gets a chance to redeem himself later. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's going to be it from us this week. And yeah, that was kind of a that was a bad one. Eh. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get a better one next week. Um, Oh, yeah. Episode 15, which is coming up next, is called... Oh, even the title. Even the title should give away what's going on here. Yes. I just... Episode 15 is called Durka Returns. And Durka, as we know, the man that tortured Rigel and whose corpse we saw in PK Tech Girl. What? Bum, bum, bum! Already, so, I'm more excited for this than yes. I really episode. want to know what's happening here. I'm also I'm looking at the uh, summary and I'm very excited because we get to meet someone. We get to meet a we get to meet someone for the first time. <gasps> I recognize that name. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. I, Is I, it I next week the... already? <laughs> no, you have to wait. Ah, damn it. Yeah, alright, so we'll be back for that uh, next week with uh, Durka Returns, but that, like I said, that's it from us this week. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to support this podcast, you can check out the Can't Wear Hats Patreon, which supports this and my Twitch streams and other projects, which is patreon.com slash can't wear hats. And if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter. I am at can't wear hats and Red is at Vidalkin in Tree. Yes. Hey, and if you want, you can leave us a comment on the YouTube page. YouTube page. I try to read them each week. Yep. And uh, yeah, we hope you like the episode. We hope you like this episode of the podcast, even if you didn't like the episode of uh, Farscape. <laughs> yes, I, I think we, we at some point we should do a Farscape rewatch rewatch podcast and just start. <laughs> How deep does this rabbit hole go? <laughs> rate our own ep- uh, rewatch episodes. Oh God, no! <laughs> I already do that every week when I have to edit the bloody things. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair, actually. <laughs> All right, well, that's it from us this week. Thank you for listening, and until next time, goodbye! Uh, It's just, I'm so fed up with all this. It's just constantly, each week, talking to you, getting... Ah, I'm done with this. I'm leaving. No, Red, Red, come back. Okay, I'm back. Oh, okay, sweet. Uh, You want to go for a chicken tikka masata? Sounds good.